Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I'm so glad to be with you on this episode and looking forward to uh, jumping into the material here in just a second. You know, last week I got the opportunity to go backpacking with my son. When he was younger, we did that quite a bit and haven't done it in a number of years. And so it was just real special to be able to spend a couple days in the mountains with him and the uh, 50-year-old knees held up all right. They were a little stiff afterwards, but all in all, great time. Caught a few fish, enough fish for dinner, sat around a campfire, good conversation with my son, real special opportunity. So grateful for that. It was just good to be together. Also, um, I've just been thinking about this ministry and this podcast, and it's made possible by the generous support of just tons of people. And I am so incredibly grateful for you people like Mark and Ricarda or Tim and April or Gary and Christina or Nathan and Sarah or Will and Lorna and just handful of other people that really make this ministry, not only this podcast, but the listeners commentary on the New Testament and this whole online ministry possible. And when I I look at like 121 downloads of the podcast last week in Nigeria, a place I've never been, likely a place I'll never be, and yet God is using this ministry in some way to care for and strengthen people's faith there in Nigeria, and that's made possible by your guys' generous support, and uh, I am just so incredibly grateful for your partnership in the gospel your partnership in this ministry. So thank you to each and every one of you who donate so generously to make this possible. Thank you to all of you who pray for this ministry, pray for God's favor and blessing and fruit. None of this could happen without God's work and God's power and God's grace being activated by your prayers. So thank you for your partnership in this ministry in every way that that shows up. May God bless you for it. All right, with that, let's jump into the episode for this week. We have been talking about this idea of re-socializing, by which we mean really um, like learning the new culture of Jesus's kingdom or learning the new culture of Jesus's family. We become a follower of Jesus. We we, it's not just me and Jesus. We are brought into a new family, and that new family has a way of doing things, looking at life, a way of acting and behaving and interacting that's different from the ways of life that we have learned from our family of origin, from the culture we grew up in and the, the nation where we live. And so as we enter into Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' family, we have to be re-socialized, which means we get the opportunity to learn new ways of behaving, new ways of acting, new standards, new values, new goals, new priorities, new agendas. So we've been reflecting on that over the last handful of weeks on the podcast. This week, we want to look at a specific area where certainly in my country, the United States of America, in most European and Western individualized or Western industrialized, Western developed countries, this is really an important topic. But I think it's important everywhere. It was important in Jesus' day. That's why he talked about it. Uh, even though he was living in an agrarian society, a rural society where farming was the dominant, and most people were poor, 
And yet he still dealt with the issue of money because this is so important for us to understand as we learn the way of Jesus. How does how does God view money? How does Jesus view money and his family? How should we think about money and stuff? A handful of years ago, uh, I had a friend named Joseph, and Joseph had uh, grown up in China, had actually become a Christian in China, and his first Christian experiences were in underground house churches in China, churches where you know, it really wasn't, they weren't the state-sponsored church, so it technically wasn't legal, and there was always the risk of out-and-out uh, -out persecution. In fact, his pastor at the church he was a part of had spent multiple years in different occasions in prison for preaching Jesus. So this was the experience he had. He would go to church, and they would have you know, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour church services, meeting in a home where there wasn't enough seating for everybody who was there, so the elderly would get the seats. Everyone else would stand, and they would uh, they would worship Jesus in the discomfort of standing for a couple hours for the for the worship service, and and it just was no problem. And there was always the risk of going to jail. There was that threat hanging over your head. And here I am with Joseph, now living in the states and working here in the same city where I live, and we we went fishing together up on the river. And as we began fishing, we were just kind of visiting and talking. And one of the things that Joseph said really stood out to me, and that was this. He said, it's so much harder to be a Christian here in America than it was back in China. Well, that statement was shocking to me because I'm thinking you have the risk of persecution. Your pastor has already been in jail for the sake of preaching his faith. You have to do church in hiding because there's always the threat of persecution hanging over you. You don't hardly have any resources. Um, you have crowded houses. I mean, like all these things stacked against you. And he says it's so much harder to be a Christian here in America than back in China. And so I asked, like, what do you mean? And Joseph's response was startling to me. Joseph said, well, the reason it's so much harder here in America is because you, catch this, you have so much stuff. You have so much stuff. And for Joseph, the, the striking contrast between China and America and what he could see that I couldn't see was all our stuff actually impedes our worship of God. It often gets in the way of our worship of God. It distracts us. It diverts us. It, it causes us to have so many other things that take our time and our energy. And so we, as followers of Jesus, who are learning the new culture of his kingdom, we need to learn to think clearly about money and stuff. Money and stuff. And so let's jump in. I want to look at two texts that uh, really really provide kind of like the boundaries, the, the field of play for us as disciples in which we need to uh, understand money and stuff as followers of Jesus. The first one is from the Sermon on the Mount the teaching of Jesus there. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 and following. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. The eye, he says, is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is actually darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, as we reflect on this, there's a lot that could be said out of this. In fact, you can listen to um, some of the earlier podcasts on the Bible and Life podcast where I walk through the entire Sermon on the Mount. You can actually hear maybe more full teaching on this text itself. Uh, but here, let me just pull out two observations, two principles that are important for us as we think about money and stuff and our relationship to them as followers of Jesus. The first is this, your heart follows what you treasure. Your heart follows what you treasure. Notice what he says, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So to treasure something is to love it and live for it. That's what Jesus means. So when he says your, where your treasure is, he's, he's talking about that which you treasure. That is that which you love and that which you live for. That's what, what you're investing, that which you're pursuing, your treasure. And he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Why? Because your heart follows your treasure. So if you treasure the stuff of this world, then Jesus says, actually, your life is going to be fraught with insecurity, anxiety, and loss. Why? Because your treasure will be vulnerable. Thieves break in and steal. Rust destroys it, right? There's all sorts of things that um, assault, attack your treasure if your treasure is stored up in this world. If you treasure the things, the stuff, the money, the wealth, the possessions of this world, then your life is going to be fraught with insecurity, anxiety, and loss, and frustration, and envy, and all sorts of disappointment because your treasure will be exceedingly vulnerable. If you treasure the stuff of this world, he also says you won't see straight. That's the whole point about the eye being the lamp of the body, and if your eye is bad, if it's corrupted is the idea, then your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, if you set your eyes on the things of this world and you want them and you're clamming for them and you, you look at what everyone else has and you're envious of that and you're always pursuing that, he says you're, just, you're going to be walking around in the dark. You're not going to see straight. And so that's the first principle. Your heart follows what you treasure. And, and Jesus' ad, advice to us is don't treasure the stuff of this world. The second principle I notice in this text is this. That is, money and stuff isn't by itself bad. It's not in and of itself bad, but it is powerful. Money and stuff isn't bad, but it is powerful. It wants to rule you. Notice verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. And this is in the context of treasuring up things here on earth, loving the things of this world and storing up for yourself treasures here on earth, it becomes a master. That's just a practical reality. The more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to manage, the more stuff you have to take care of, the more stuff you have to worry about, the more your stuff is vulnerable, it rules you. It becomes a master over you. Right, And so money and stuff isn't in and of itself bad, but it is powerful. It's a master, and it wants to rule you. If, if, if loved and lived for, money and stuff and possessions and wealth will 
master you and make you its slave. And disciples, catch this, disciples of Jesus treasure God. They don't treasure money and stuff. They love and live for God, not money and stuff. That's why he says you can't serve God and wealth. You can't. Both want to be lords of your life. You have to choose which lord you're going to serve. Money is not necessarily bad, but it's powerful. So that's the first teaching. All right, this teaching is a warning. Money and stuff basically can be dangerous. Don't treasure it or you will serve it. That's the warning of this text, right? Now, the next teaching. Well, what happens if you have money, right? Like, what happens if you have money and how should you think about it? Well, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and we'll look at verses 17 and following. This really is like the, the other pole, the other kind of key anchor point for our view of money and stuff as followers of Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, the Apostle Paul writes these words, teaches us this. He says, instruct those who are rich in the present world. So there are followers of Jesus who have lots of stuff. They're rich by the standards of this present world. They have lots of stuff. So instruct, instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Notice that. Those, I think, are very insightful on Paul's part. Those are really two of the great temptations for people with stuff, to be conceited, to be arrogant, to think they're better than other people. And there's a variety of ways that plays out. I worked hard for this. I deserve this, right? All that sort of stuff. Not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, as if money can solve all their problems. Money is what they're living for, in other words. That's their hope. That's the thing they're loving and living for. Don't fix your hope on that, but fix your hope on God. This is the line that I really want us to pay attention to. Fix your hope on God, who, catch this, richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. He goes on and says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now, again, a couple observations out of this teaching from the Apostle Paul. The first is that line that I drew our attention to, God gives us all things to enjoy. Notice that. God richly supplies us with all these things to enjoy. So you've got stuff. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. Enjoy these good gifts from your Heavenly Father. This reminds us that money and stuff in and of itself isn't bad. Having nice things isn't bad, right? Like having stuff isn't wrong. You don't need to feel bad about that. They're gifts from a good God, a good Father, and He gives them for you to enjoy. So enjoy them. They are good, simple pleasures of life. Enjoy them. And that's what God wants for us. He gives them to us for the purpose of our enjoyment, for us to enjoy. God made this world for our joy, right? So so they're, they're good. Enjoy them, right? Uh, respond with gratitude. Thank God for them. Practice the discipline of celebration, right? Like there's a spiritual discipline called celebration, which means enjoying the good gifts of your heavenly father and enjoying the giver of those gifts, God himself. So revel in them, celebrate them, thank God for them. 
Uh, that's part of like the feast days in the Old Testament of the Bible. Those feast days were opportunities to celebrate God's good gifts and everything he had done for, for you as his child, as part of his people. So enjoy the good gifts God gives you. That's the first observation out of this teaching. The second observation is this. A key practice for enjoying money and stuff but not treasuring it. Note that balance. Enjoying it but not treasuring it. A key practice for that is generosity. Generosity. Notice what he says. Instruct them to do good, which means to do good works. Um, to be rich, he says, in good works, good deeds, where you're caring for the needy, you're helping people who don't have as much. He says, instruct them to be generous and ready to share. And so you've been given good gifts from God. Enjoy them and enjoy them with an open hand is the idea. Live your life with an open hand. Does somebody have a need that you could meet because of what you've been given? Then share it with them. Look for ways to take the good gifts you've been given from your Father and benefit and bless those who don't have as much. Uh, be rich in good deeds. Instead of pursuing getting rich, pursue being abundant and doing good for people is the idea. Give stuff away. Be ready to share. In fact, giving stuff away is one of the best ways to make sure that money and stuff does not become your master, that you're not treasuring it up, that you're not living for it and loving it. And so this is the biblical balance. Money and stuff, in the first teaching we looked at, money and stuff is dangerous. Don't live for it and don't love it. It's dangerous. There is, There are risks with it. It's vulnerable, right? So money and stuff is dangerous. Don't love it and live for it. But on the other hand, Money and stuff can be good gifts from God. Enjoy it and use it to benefit others. That's the balance that we need to learn in Jesus' kingdom. Money and stuff is dangerous. Don't love for it and live it. Money and stuff are good gifts from a good father. Enjoy it and use it to benefit others. And so as we're learning the culture of Jesus' kingdom, these are like the two anchor points we operate between. Uh, there are various practices that can help us do that, but we operate between these two anchor points. These are good gifts from God, but don't live for them, don't love for them, and make sure we're doing good for other people. So here's some practices. Let me just offer just a few practices. We don't have time to talk about these in detail, but here's some practices that can help, help us actually live this balance out. One, practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Be grateful for the good gifts that your Father has given you. Recognize these are gifts. These are gifts from God. God is the one that made the world the way it did. God is the one who gives good gifts to us. So practice gratitude for the things you have. Regardless of how little or how much you have, practice gratitude. Second practice, generosity. Practice generosity. When and where you can, give stuff away, right? Like live life with an open hand, be generous and ready to share. And so practice generosity, increasingly find, find ways to share the things you have. Uh, don't hoard, right? Give instead of hoarding. Who needs what you have? Who could use what you have, right? Um, be willing to let people borrow from you. Uh, so be generous, practice generosity. Another practice contentment. Practice contentment. Um, 
How do you practice contentment? Well, I'm thinking of the idea of um, not constantly having to get more. Um, practice being content with what you have. It works. It's not broken. I don't need to replace it. I don't need the upgrade. I don't need the latest engravement. Greatest. I don't need the next new phone. I don't need the next new tech whatever. I don't need the next, right? Like practice contentment. I I have enough. I'm not always having to get more, right? That's the idea. In fact, earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul actually talks about like godliness with contentment is actually a means of great gain. And so if we have food, clothing, and covering with these, we shall be content, he says. So practice contentment. I'm content with the things I have. That's the idea. And a final practice I would suggest for living out these two anchor points and learning this balance is simplicity. Practice biblical gospel-centered simplicity. There's an all lot, you can find all sorts of stuff on the internet today about minimalism, simplicity, and all sorts of that. Um, some of it's good, maybe some of it's extreme. I'm thinking of gospel-centered simplicity where my, my identity is rooted in what Jesus has done for me. I don't need all this other stuff to have more. My heart uh, is centered on and revolves around Jesus and his kingdom. I seek one thing. I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And thus, I'm not constantly having to clamor for more stuff to fill me up, to make me feel good about myself, to make me feel better. I, I'm willing to get rid of stuff and declutter my house because I don't need all that. I'm willing to give stuff away because I don't need all that. I don't need bigger and better, right? Simplicity. Practice simplicity. Sometimes that discipline historically in the church has been called frugality. Frugality, where I'm just frugal. I don't need tons of stuff. I, I can live with a little, right? So gratitude, generosity, contentment, and simplicity. If we learn, if we practice those kinds of things, and we do so with a theological understanding of this balance we've looked at in this podcast, we will learn the way of Jesus with regard to money and stuff. It's Money and stuff is fine. It's a good gift from God to be received with gratitude, to be enjoyed, and to be used for the sake of others. But we recognize there's a power to it. There's a pull to it. It wants to rule us. And so we guard our heart against being deceived by money and stuff. We do that by being generous and grateful and content with the things we have. And so in doing so, we live out the biblical balance with regard to money and stuff. And as disciples of Jesus, that's an important value that we're learning to practice. All right. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Follow Jesus, walk with God, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.